Welcome to the Fish Nerds. It's a celebration of fish, fishing and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, licensed New Hampshire fishing guide and uh, your host of the Fish Nerds podcast. Today's very special episode is part two in our series on how to become a licensed fishing guide. This episode is sponsored by the New Hampshire Outdoor Learning Center, nhoutdoorlearning.com. This is where I went to guide school. Scott Jackson runs a great program that will teach you everything you need to know to pass New Hampshire Guide Test. Uh, there's not a chance I would have passed the guide test without taking this course. This is the second part in our series on becoming a fishing guide. As I was traveling around meeting guides and talking to people, I was struck by how competent and confident they all are. The only way to gain that level of confidence is by making mistakes. So I begged the question, what do you consider a bad day with clients? And I collected three stories for you. I spoke to Tim Moore from Tim Moore Outdoors, Captain Sean Tibbetts from MainTunaFishing.com, and Twin Maple Outdoors, Richard Yvonne, joined us to share some of their uh, favorite mistakes they made in guiding, and hopefully we can learn a little bit from their mistakes. Without further ado, first up, we have Tim Moore from TimMooreOutdoors.com. Tim Moore is a licensed New Hampshire guide and one of the hardest working people I know. For more information, just go to his website or check him out on Facebook. But we caught up with Tim at a coffee shop in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And he started off by telling us about what a perfect day fishing looks like and then what it looks like when it all goes wrong. Clay Grove here with Tim Moore from Tim Moore Outdoors. Tim Hello. is a licensed New Hampshire fishing guide and sponsored by every fishing company on the planet. Uh, and he is a, what I would, when I'm making my business up, I am looking at Tim for what a fishing business should look like. And I haven't led any trips yet. And so I've asked Tim to tell us, first of all, if he was designing his perfect day on the ice, what would that look like? So first, Tim, tell us about your perfect day on the ice. What does it look like? Perfect day on the ice. Uh, With clients. It's, it's <laughs> overcast, uh, 28 degrees overcast. Everybody shows up on time. Um, the fish bite very well. Everybody has fun. Everybody does what I tell them to do. Uh, and we bring them back off the ice, and they go home happy. And they give you money. And they give me money. Yeah. That's well, funny. they've already paid me. That's how I run. But a little tip extra at the end. Sure. It's not a bad thing. It's customary. Now, do you get tips every time? 95% of the time. 95. No, Some t- people don't know. Dude, I, it's, there's so many things in life where you tip at. It's hard to know yeah. at all. Do people typically tip 15% or just it's a random amount of cash? It's very, very random. Um, I found that most people don't, if they're going to tip, they don't like to tip less than $20. Usually 40 It depends on the price of the trip. I mean, I've, I've done $300 trips and got $100 tips. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It depends on what they can afford and what they think you deserve. Yeah. And now you don't ever feel owed a tip. No. I don't, ex- like I don't expect it, but it, it is... Anybody that's ever been on a guided trip knows that the price of guided trips is based around the fact that guides receive tips. Yeah. And if, if tipping were removed from the industry, you would see a spike in guide rates. Right. Now, it's not common knowledge, believe it or not, to the people who are buying the trips. Yeah. Unless, unless they always buy trips. That's right. You know, it's not actually... You know, our customers don't know... Right. That's expected. Do you let them know in any way, or do you just? I put it on my website. Yeah. You know, our trips include 
Our trips do not include Gratuity. fishing license, customary gratuity. It's customary. Yeah. And if they don't want to pay or they just, just didn't read that, whatever. Doesn't matter. Some Yeah, the last guy that with a $100 tip made up for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you subliminally tell them how much tip. The customary tip of $100. <laughs> <laughs> Those are always nice. I've received some tips that were as big as the trip itself. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So that's what would be a day where you're like on the white perch and people are getting hundreds of fish. And Actually, no, it really? wasn't. It, it was see, guiding. Guiding isn't about catching fish. That's the easy part for me. I can catch fish blindfolded in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that the people that pay me to catch those fish have fun while they're doing it. Right. I was talking to Wilson's up at Moosehead Lake uh, about the business and they said the same thing. Yeah. The fish don't matter. No. Nope. It's about entertaining your clients this is a are, customer are, are, service position are they warm are they comfortable are they having a good time are they laughing exactly you do that you're winning yep catching fish bonus yep you yeah. gotta keep them comfortable and keep them entertained now you used to guarantee fish on your trips is that still a i thing? still do ice fishing ice fishing yep but not open water no no um too much out of my control open water right ice fishing you know where the fish live you got the vexillars yeah it's it's my specialty and and i can literally sit in your lap and hold your rod for you if i have to Maybe. it's even on a boat it's hard to do that yeah you know i can i can make sure you're going to catch a fish in the boat or in the, especially in the kayak i can't people get away from me they won't you know they don't want to listen to me so they intentionally paddle away so they don't have to listen to me and I, I have less control so i won't guarantee it because part of my guarantee states that there is a there is an honest effort required by the client in order for that guarantee to hold. Right. They're just sitting around reading a book. If you don't pick up a rod yeah. and you don't catch a fish, you're not getting a free but trip. Just kind of aside from this, let's say you're bringing a family of four out. Do you guarantee each person will catch a fish or that a fish will be caught in the trip? Fish will be caught during that trip. Okay. Yeah. Because gotcha. some people don't fish. Fair. Fair enough. But, I mean, on your trips, I've been on your trips, people catch fish. Yeah. So it's yeah. not that hard. No. So that's really cool. I want to bring you out on Silver Lake sometime and on my lake of, of no fish I, I, and see what you can do on that lake. Yeah, I hope I never have time for that. I hope you don't either, but... <laughs> for two reasons. I'll tell you, if I can master that lake... I mean, You'd be a hero. I'd be a hero because it's a terrible place. But it's it's arguably the prettiest lake in the whole state. Yeah. I think the views there are better than Wimpasaki views or anything else. Um, okay, so let's talk about disasters. I want you to tell me a story about an ice fishing trip that was just everything went wrong. Um, I should preface with this is if you're becoming a guide, I want people to know that you're going to fail. Yeah. And I want to hear about what happened and what you did about it. um, All right. So there's actually two trips that led into one. So I had this pair of clients that that came, hired me for a trip. And this is where the inexperience came in. This was in the early days. This was the year before I bought my first snow machine to guide with. Walk on ice trip. Walk on ice trip. And I got the bright idea to try a place that I'd never fished. So you didn't scout? I did. Oh, you did? I went there and I scouted it the day before. And I caught nothing. And I, st- and I brought them there anyway. So you knew that nothing was happening. Yeah. And, but the, it was like, I, you know, I get so busy in the wintertime, things slip my mind. And it just never made the connection. It wasn't until afterwards, like, what were you thinking? You fished there and didn't catch anything. Why on earth would you bring paying clients there the next day? So I brought them there anyways. They Well, they caught one yellow perch, big yellow perch. But that wasn't good enough for me. It's, it's guaranteed fish, but it's not a guaranteed fish. Right. And if you're in yellow perch, 
You should be in Yellow Perch. You should be, right. yeah. There's no Yellow Perch. Easy. Right. So I, I offered to bring them again. Only one of them came. I brought them to a place that I knew well. We beat on crappie all day long. Uh, it was good. So the next year they decided they were going to come back. I had a snow machine. They saw me at a show. I had a snow machine. They were like, oh, snow machine. We don't have to walk out anymore. We want to come back this with you. the same machine I had, right? No. No, you have a different one. It was a different one, yeah. So show up, bring them out on Lake Winnipesaukee. We go out. We were, uh, well, we were 1.2 miles from the launch when uh, all of a sudden my snow machine wouldn't move, wouldn't go forward or reverse. It would run, but it wouldn't go forward or reverse. Just sitting there just stuck. Revving the engine. And it just it just won't it's stuck. Now you in snow? Uh there was some snow. But you weren't like in like stuck in deep snow. No. No. What had happened was the brake pad, one of the brake pads had worn so thin it dropped down into the caliper and wedged itself in there. So it wouldn't move Snow-pad. forward or reverse. It was just completely stuck. So I had to walk the one point two miles back to the launch, get my truck. Luckily, there was snow, but not enough that I couldn't drive out. Drove my truck and trailer out onto the ice. Had to pull the snow machine up onto the trailer. And I've got one of these clients who won't stand there and watch. So he's pulling on it with me. We're sweating bullets. We finally yanked the snow machine up onto the trailer. They describe moving a snowmobile as a monkey humping a football. Yeah, just well, grab it. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, nothing yeah, happens. Yeah. Um, had to drive them which is the whole reason we did walk-on trips and snow machines because I don't drive on the ice. Now here we are driving across the ice. It was a disaster. Got them back in. And now they've never been with me since. They won't. Even though I had a brand new snow machine now, they're just, they've, they've ruined them the experience. Well, you can't, you know, you can understand it. Yeah. No, no, I totally do. Um, other disasters are more on the client side of things. So tell us about that. Um, so, so client, so nightmare clients. Yeah, they they just they won't they won't do what you tell them. So when you hire a guide, it's that guy's responsibility to put you on fish. Right. The word guide apparently right. is in it means teacher. Right. Yeah. And in order to catch those fish, you're going to have to fish a certain way. There's a certain technique for a certain lure. Every lure's got a specific action and you have to be able to, to replicate whatever's going to make those fish bite. And your guide knows what that is and will teach you. Right. And that's why when I fish with you, I just mirror you. Like I sit next to you and I just move, make my hand move the way your hand moves and I catch fish. Right. That's why I learned to, learned to catch lake trout. White perch feed from below. The number one mistakes my client makes, mistake that my clients make is fishing on the bottom because there are always fish on the bottom. You see them on the Vexilar, they're always there. They're tiny yellow perch. Mm-hmm. If you fish the bottom, you'll be under the white perch. So the clients will come out and I tell them, you got to stay up off the bottom. Even if you see those marks moving around down there, you got to stay up above where the white perch can see you. And they just won't do it. And they're down on the bottom all day, and, and I show them how to do it, and they won't do it. And if you don't do what the guy tells you to do, then... You're not going to catch any fish. So do you ever just take that client and switch him to like a number 22 teardrop little jig and let him go to the bottom and catch tiny yellow perch so he's catching fish? Yeah, and, until they get tired of it, yeah. which is takes about five minutes. Because they're just these two-inch dinks. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, so it, it's, for from a guide's point of view, especially when you've guaranteed fish and there are these expectations, especially for me, and people come, they'll tell me like, oh, we flew in from Chicago just to fish with you. I'm like, oh, great. Well, then you're going to have to do exactly what I tell you, or you're going to be disappointed. And sometimes they don't. Now, if you're clear up front, I mean, that's helpful, right? 
it's it helps me sleep better at night, mm-hmm. but it's still frustrating because they get they get frustrated. Right, and they're not catching the big fish and the volume right. of fish you want to see them catch and the whole thing. Right, they've spent a lot of money to come here and not catch fish. Well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. It's the one of the worst. It's the worst thing that happens in for me as a guide. Right, and do you ever just say, "Hey, just stop for a second. Let's restart. Let me clarify what we're doing," and it's still. I do. I actually start most of my trips by telling them, I'm going to show, first I'm going to show you how you should be doing it. And then I'm going to remind you twice. And then you're on your own. I'm not going to babysit you. No. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to remind you twice. And if you keep doing, making the same mistake, I'm going to let you make it for the rest of the trip. Do you have any client who just like yells at you and says, I know what I'm doing. Don't try to tell me. Not yells at me. Like I've had and- I've had some clients that... You know, you can tell by the end of the trip, they're just condescending and, you know, they, all they talk about is how much they know and, you know, you just, you just try to get through the day and, you know, that's where it comes helpful to remember that this is a customer service job. Yep. And at some point you got to do things other than catch fish. That's when you fire the grill up. <laughs> fire the grill up, take kids for snow machine rides, mm-hmm. tell jokes. Stories. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Good. So um, that's all I need for this, Tim. So thanks. That's Tim Moore from timmoreoutdoors.com. And you can book him for your ice fishing trip because I'm going to be so booked up I won't be able to take you out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Tim. That was totally cool and very, very useful. And, of course, you can book Tim for your next Winnipesaukee fishing trip if you'd like. Next up, we got Captain Sean Tibbetts. Captain Sean runs a tuna and shark charter out of Saco, Maine. Uh, Sean took uh, Dave and I uh, shark fishing a couple of summers ago, and along with some listeners, we caught the uh, biggest shark I've ever seen, a nice big fat mako shark. Uh, Sean's taught us a ton about fishing for sharks. Uh, you can just talk about fishing with him at MainTunaFishing.com. Uh, Sean and I got together and recorded this short segment on top of a mountain in North Conway, New Hampshire. Uh, Sean's about the grumpiest guy I know, but we, we like him anyway. Describe the uh, the worst incidents ever happened while guiding. <laughs> tell me about tell me about your guiding nightmare. Oh, so the worst. We gotta learn from your mistakes. Oh my god, the worst day I ever had on the water was actually one of the best days of shark fishing we'd ever had. A couple of fish nerds and some guests came on your boat. And... Well, no, <laughs> it was, we were, it was one of those bluebird days in August. We had sharks everywhere. They were all over the surface. We'd actually pulled baits all day long. We were selectively pitching baits at the sharks we wanted to catch and leaving the small sharks alone. Um, we get done, clients a beat. They've reeled in all the fish they want to reel in. And we're on our way home. And we're 15 miles off, and all of a sudden, I blew the engine. In mid-July. So, I got a boat that's dead Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere, an hour and a half before dark. 
I was able to get it running, and we crippled back into the dock. It took us about four hours to go 15 miles. Gosh. And in the lapse of the two weeks afterwards, $25,000 to get back up running. And uh, that's about the worst day I've had guiding. Uh-huh. So it wasn't in your control. No, it was not good. in my control. It wasn't due to your mistake. It, it was, was not due error. You know, Should I mean, make I don't make mistakes. <laughs> I'm perfect. Perfect. That's good. You know, we have numerous days where you get, you're going to, as a guide, you're going to have days where you get those clients that just don't want to listen. And, you know, they pick the sabiki rig up and the fish shakes around a little, flops around, and now they have five sabikis in their hand. You know, for those of you who don't know, a sabiki is a tiny little fly. There's five of them to a, a string with a five to six ounce lead on it. So if you drop the lead, all five of those hooks go in your hand. It's so fun. <laughs> Captain Sean says, oh, look at the whale. And the kid turns his head and I start pulling hooks out. You know, that's a normal, <laughs> that's a fairly normal. I mean, luckily the sabikis are so small, they come out pretty exactly. easily. Yeah, I've had a bunch of me. You know, we take... Uh, you know, for kids kids trips, I have a set. All right, let's start that one over again. For kids trips, I take the barbs off. Yes. You know, if the mackerel rail hit hot and heavy, I'll take the. I've got a couple of sabikis that are tucked away that all the barbs are cut off. Smart. So, when they do get them in their hand, they just distract them for a second, pull them out. But yeah, we haven't had too many maimings by hook. We've had quite a few of impalements. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Now, now you have on your boat. You've got paddles just in case. Oh yeah, because you can paddle seventeen thousand pounds. <laughs> I just love. I love that regulation. I was. You know. I was taking my commercial boating exam. And yeah. I'm like really. Yep. It seems useful on a pontoon yep. boat. Get a little paddle. Yep. Anywhere. Yep. Seventeen thousand pounds with a knot and a half to drift and twenty knots of wind. But I'm gonna paddle my thirty-five foot boat the fuck home. Perfect. Hold on. We'll be a while. Now, in fairness, I should say that Sean is a grouchy, grumpy dude, but uh, when he took my family fishing, he was nothing but joy, and he was great with the kids, so he's not just a, not just a grouchy old guy fisherman. He's really, really a good guy. All right, so finally, part three, Twin Maple Outdoors, Richard E. Vaughn. Now, actually, I haven't fished with Richard, but everyone I know seems to have gotten to go fishing with him. And uh, even our listeners have won trips to fish with him on our show. Richard Yvonne is owner of Twin Maple Outdoors. He checked in with this guide disaster story. After hearing this, I would definitely trust Richard to guide me in the wilds of Maine. If you're in the highlands of Maine or the Bangor area, you should definitely call Richard, hire him. You could even stay at his house. He has a great-looking log cabin lodge thing at TwinMapleOutdoors.com. And uh, we reached him by phone. Um, I've seen him in person one time, but we've, we've tried to get together. It never quite works out. Here with Richard Yvonne, Twin Maples Outdoors. Richard is a registered Maine guide, um, outdoor expert, and we're talking today about guiding mishaps, bad guiding experience. So, uh, Richard, tell us your story. Well, <laughs> that is, uh, I, when I reflect on this, you know, as, when you make mistakes out in the field, and everybody's going to do it, I'm, and I'm not excluded. Um, you, you know, you, it rolls over in your mind. What did I do wrong? What could I do better? Um, sometimes you don't know what you're going to do until it actually happens. And in this case here, the story I have is 
um, as everybody know, uh, I you know I have a jet boat, and of course it's made for skinny water. I go over a lot of treacherous water on my fishing trips. Uh, I guide 63 miles of the uh, Penobscot River. So the Penobscot's made up of boulders and rocks, and anybody that's gone on a trip with me um, finds it kind of an adventure just to ride in the boat. So, you know, I take all walks of life out, um, and I take families out. Sometimes I take kids out where, you know, hey, sometimes I really don't want to take them into anything that's compromising where, you know, something might happen because safety is number one when you go on a trip. Um, but I had one instance um, that, I, that I took a family out, and, of course, you know, anybody knows the Penobscot River has a good current to it. It's got a lot of rocks, a lot of jagged rocks, um, a lot of ledge and things like that that are dangerous. So I did had I had a, a, a family I took out, and I had a couple of kids. And, you know, some kids, you know, their kids are kids, and they're antsy, and they can't sit still. They don't like to sit down. And as much as you say sit down um, and you have their kid, your their parents watch the kids, you have to have all your eyes rolling around 360 degrees watching everything, watching the river, watching the boat, watching the people. Um, so I had a case where, um, you know, I had I was going down the river, and basically we weren't under power, but we hit a rock, and I had a little girl that stood up at just at the wrong time. She stood up. She jarred herself out of the boat when, the, when we hit the rock. She went overboard. I immediately... It was an impulse I had. I, I immediately went, I jumped in the water. I took the little girl. I hoisted her up to her parents. I jumped back in the boat, and nothing, there was no harm, no foul. And you felt like a hero. And, <laughs> no, I, I, I was more scared than anything. Yeah. I had my cell phone in my, I had, yeah. Uh, I can picture this, you know, I wiped out my cell phone, but that's immaterial. It was, everybody was safe. That's the important part. But, you know, as a guide, you know, you really do, you know, when you take this stuff seriously, safety, which is everybody should, um, you're wondering, what, you know, what, did I do anything wrong? What could I have done better? What could have gone wrong? Um, in this case here, a lot, of, a lot of things could have gone wrong. What did I do wrong? I shouldn't have left my boat with other people in the boat. I should never, a uh, captain should never leave his boat whatsoever. Um, but, you know, that knee-jerk decision is something that you don't know. You don't know what you're going to do until that situation arises. Um, I think if I had to do it over again, I I certainly would have put a throw bag out, and you know, and probably not have done what I'd done. But what I did do, uh, really, the end result was excellent. But it could have been so much worse. So that experience, now it did make me feel like a hero. Of course, the the mother really appreciated what I did, but hindsight. I certainly would not have jumped out of the boat and, and, and gotten her and put her back in the boat. I think that would that was absolutely the wrong thing to do, and I wouldn't advise anybody to do that. Right, because a lot um, a lot of other but, problems can happen if you get off the boat. Well, you know, you know, when a captain leaves his boat in the water, for especially in a river with a current, for you know, there's so many things. I you know, I reflect on it, and of, of course, I've learned from it. So I'll never do that again. But honestly, um, it's not something that's premeditated. It's not something that you can anticipate what your reaction is going to be. You know what I mean? When you're when you're in that situation, and you got this little girl overboard. Oh my word! It's just like having your own daughter out there 
that's all overboard. Well, you know, it's, there's no it's, difference. I think you just nailed it right there. As a parent, I, I have daughters. You have you have a daughter or two? Yeah, I have two daughters. I have two daughters also, and every little girl I see, I immediately connect with. I immediately think, how can, you know, if something's happening, I'm going to be there, you know, to help those kids. And uh, so I can totally see that. I probably would do the same thing in your situation. And you can't have that, you know, you can reflect back and say, next time I would be do something differently. But what you did, you did. And the end results were positive. Um, so that's a win anyway. So even though you probably did the, you know, technically the wrong thing, you did the right thing by, by helping the kid. So that's yeah, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful <laughs> that it did turn out that way. Sure. And, you know, I was, it was very, it was an emotional thing for me, really, because all these things are rolling in your mind. What could have gone wrong? What, 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 you know, um, and of course for the parents, you know, I gave them all hugs, you know, and we, it, it really was an emotional thing for everybody, even though, you know, uh, you might not think so because everybody, you know, they associate a boat being in a nice calm pond or calm lake. But if you can picture yourself, you know, in a, in a river where you have all these, um, hazards, you have a current, you know, um, at the time the water was warm, but still, you know, even in the middle of summer, people don't realize you can get hyperthermia in, in you know, in, in Maine in the, in the middle of summer. Right. So it makes no difference what time of year. Right. So, and, and as a Maine you know, guide, you are, Maine guides are some of the most highly trained outdoorsmen in the country, I think. Um, we, you have one of the well, biggest yeah. barriers to entry to get into the guide service in Maine. So you're pretty highly trained. Well, the thing is, we do have a rigorous uh, testing, um, you know, test to get our license to begin with. As far as the training goes, um, it's a continual thing. I've been trained since I was eight years old to be a guide, to be honest. Um, and, you know, every experience, you, every trip you have or every experience out in the outdoors is part of your training. Um, you know, you don't run into these situations every day where a little girl's going to be knocked out of your boat. So to say what you're going to do beforehand is so much easier than actually what's going to happen Absolutely. Uh, when you're out there. So, so I guess, you know, anybody that's out there in a boat and they're, <clears throat> they're a captain, and at the end of the day, you are responsible for your clients no matter what. And you take personal, personal responsibility for everyone's, um, you know, their, their well-being. So it's a very serious thing with me, um, whether I'm hiking and, uh, you know, I'm going on a, 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 a four or five mile hike out in the wilderness where you're literally an hour and a half from a hospital. Um, so when then you have that little kid that wants to jump off that big boulder out in the middle of the woods, um, you really, really have to, sometimes you got to be the bad guy. Well, that's, you yeah. got to say no. Okay. That's not got to safety number one thing. So it's, it's nothing else. That's more right. Important. Catching fish that's is cool. Catching fish is cool, but right. uh, kids leaving, um, you know, with broken limbs or dead is bad for business. So I think <laughs> uh, you better have much better to have a client saying, "Richard ended the trip early because my kid got hurt uh, and took her to the hospital, which she didn't need to go." Than when, than than have it be the other way where my kid, you know, died or something terrible, you know, worse happened. Right, or so, or say, or the or the kids are just not responding to discipline, or they're not. You know, they're not listening to anybody, and they're doing their own thing, and it's it's uh, they're endangering themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, we you know um, sometimes the guide has to be the bad guy and say, you know what, I think it's time for us to go in. Have you done that? And I I was close to doing that. No, I haven't done that, but I did threaten to do that on one trip. Um, and th- these people have to realize, you know, we are 
you're, you know, you're, you have to get a helicopter to take you out of here, out of here if something catastrophic happens. Um, I, of course, I do have uh, backup plans for, you know, the worst-case scenarios. But the best thing is that ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Mm-hmm. It goes a long way when you're out in the woods. Well, that's perfect. Well, hey, so thank you, Richard. And that's Richard Yvonne, TwinMapleOutdoors.com. And, of course, you can find links to, uh, to Twin Maple Outdoors at FishNerds.com and on social media all over Facebook and Twitter, and um, Richard's great. So reach out to him if you have any questions about guiding. Thanks. Thank you, Clay. Cool. All right. Thanks, Richard. Again, that's TwinMapleOutdoors.com. All right. Time for a little... Fish in the news. I love fish in the news. This comes from the Star Tribune uh, in Hudson, Wisconsin. And the the headline reads, Hudson, Wisconsin entrepreneur wows on shark tank. Vance Zahorsky, an avid fisherman, nets a $120,000 investment on the show. He entered the infamous shark tank seeking $120,000 in return for 20% of his company, but he ended up giving up 33% to seal the deal. While other sharks showed interest in the company, Damon John, the multi-millionaire behind FUBU, was the only one to make the formal offer after seeing the device marketed as the ultimate fishing essential on the company's website. The exposure is a huge victory for the startup that Zahorsky founded on a whim in 2013. He quit his six-figure salary job at an appliance company in Arizona, sold his prized fishing boat and the dream home he helped build with his bare hands, then moved back to his hometown in western Wisconsin with his wife and two young daughters. A prototype made of welding putty and a dental floss cutter would explode into a booming business less than two years after launching. The rings now sell in hundreds of independent bait and tackle shops in eight different countries. When Zahorsky realized the rings also cut thread and yarn, the products were stocked in quilting stores and it retails for 12 bucks. Um, now, fish nerds always go one step further. We had Vance Zahorsky on the week before he came onto the Shark Tank and I called him yesterday and got him back on to get his reaction after he won. It's always fun to kind of follow up and see how it feels to, to finally make it in the world. All right, fishnerds.com, hanging out with Vance Zahorsky from Line Cutters. Line Cutters recently just defeated the Shark Tank, earning a $120,000 deal with uh, Damon John. Is that correct? Yes, sir. $120,000, man. That's like life-changing business money, isn't it? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so so I want to kind of quickly just run through the night. We On our previous show, we talked about leading up to the night. Uh, I watched the episode with my kids, and we were on the edge of our seat the whole time. The first time we got really nervous was when you gave uh, Robert Hershevik the wrong ring. You want to tell us how you felt? You gave him a Polish ring, right? Yes. Which is really cool looking, by the way. He he should have said thank you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) so what's funny is I spent so much time researching the sharks, I mean, from how they got started. I've read Mark Cuban's books, read audio tapes, like 
I've went through every shark, and for some, I've been such a huge fan of Shark Tank that they always say that Ruffer Robert, the son of Polish immigrants. They do. So even when I read his bio on Wikipedia and all you know the research I did, I just for some reason that was imprinted in my brain. Uh-huh. So I had I, I mean I found the right Polish eagle, white eagle, and I'm Polish, and I had my whole story and cust you know. And when he said that, like <laughs> I literally was about to walk off the set, like oh. forget it, done. It's it's one of those feelings you get like your heart drops down out of your chest, and you're like, oh my gosh, you think it was game over right there? Well. Well, yeah, I mean, you feel this rush of like, you know, oh my gosh, what just happened? And and you know, did I just blow my whole thing? You know, and um, what's what's funny is he actually when he at toward the end, you know, he threw the ring, and I caught it, and I said, yes, I caught it. That that was like my saving grace. So oh, you win. <laughs> but well, in in the end, you got to deal with with Damon John, and I was watching, and I. I he, he, when I watch him on Shark Tank, he's one of the ones who I'm always like, come on, man, give people a break, because he's the most likely to pull the carpet out from under people. Like He's the kind of guy who makes an offer and says, decide in 12 seconds, and the offer goes away. And he's the guy like who always does that. And so when you were at the last few seconds, you were negotiating with him, and you were asked, he was asking you for like 40% or some ridiculous number, and you wanted 20%, um, and you were just negotiating, I thought at any second now, he's going to just dump out on you and bail and you actually negotiated down with him when I think nobody else could have done that how did that feel well it was pretty intense and what's really hard you know after being a fan of the show for so long what it's it's when you're at home and you're watching and you feel that intensity Mm -hmm. imagine that times literally like a thousand so you have all these cameras on you you're in front of Mark Cuban and Lori and all these celebrity you know people that are just amazing business people and and you're in there for 40 minutes or so and they're hammering you on numbers and you're sweating and shaking and nervous and and then you start negotiating like the the pressure and the intensity is is so overwhelming and I think if I wasn't so passionate about this company I don't think I would have been able to negotiate like that you know if if it wasn't something that I put my whole soul into there's no way I would have been able to look Damon John in the eye and say I can't do it and at 30% I was done like when I said Damon like my whole world crashed I'm like we're not doing a deal today and what's interesting is Mark Cuban said he whispered like on 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 TV they show it sounds like he's loud like do a third do a third but they have these giant boom mics that you don't see when I was battling with Damon Mark Cuban literally whispered like I barely caught out of the corner of my eye and he said do a third and at the last second uh, when Damon was about to pull out I just said 33% just throwing it out there and then there was this really long nerve-wracking awkward pause and then he said yes because I thought he was out and that's when it was like oh my gosh well my kids stood on their couches screaming they were so proud of you <laughs> so you, awesome. you have you have a seven year old and a nine year old girl these two girls who are just in love with what you did there. they were so proud of you and well high five them for me I will yeah. I would totally do it so congratulations so now we're what two weeks out from your big win and uh, how's it feel now it's been pretty pretty awesome like really overwhelming we're in the star tribune which is the big minnesota twin cities paper and 
Um, I've had some schools reach out that want me to talk at schools and, you know, people from Japan. There's a TV show that wants me to kayak fish in Japan. It's been that's fantastic. <laughs> it's been beyond insane. Um, there's a Texas chain in the south called Bucky's that I'm talking to. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to explain, but but at the same point, the workload has been intense. I've sent videos on my Instagram page of, you know, 20, 30 bins stacked full of orders. Well, we're not a big company. Like those are all packaged by us and phone calls that come. I mean, it's it's still a, a small company. So it's been exciting. It's been overwhelming. Uh, it's been just, a, it's all good, but it's been pretty in, unbelievable. Well, that's cool. And now I do have plans for moving the manufacturer distribution out of your house and, and into a factory at some point, or are you going to just keep doing it yourself? Definitely. It's got to happen soon because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm worn out. So. Yeah. Um, we're not going to make any crazy moves and just start spending money. You know, we're going to still watch every penny, but we're definitely going to get some help. And uh, we hope to get into our own house again here, not too long. Which which would be totally great. And again, congratulations. We are so excited for you. We, like, we always love people who are in like the the fishing world who we kind of know uh, just to be successful. I think when, when one person makes it, we all kind of just see the possibilities. It's, it's really exciting. Congratulations, Vance. Uh, and people can still get your rings on your website, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And Clay, I just want to say thanks to the uh, Fish Nerds community. I've gotten uh, on your post just amazing comments. And I'm really, really honored to, to have kind of our, our family, Line Cutters family and Fish Nerds family kind of meld together here. So it's been, I just can't thank uh, all the Fish Nerds community for all the support. It's been surreal. Well, you know, you're you're a nerd just like us, fans. So we're happy to see you. And you can get pick up Line Cutters rings at linecutterswithaz.com. Uh, Vance, that's it. We're done. Awesome, buddy. <laughs> All right. And uh, by the way, this episode is also supported by our friends over at Patreon.com. Our friends are our listeners. If you are not already supporting the show and you want to keep this show going, we need your money. Uh, it, it costs uh, a lot of money to make this show every month. And if everyone who listened gave us a dollar an episode, we'd be making like you know $4 a month per listener. And that would be all the money we ever needed to keep the show going. So if you like the show and you want to keep it going, throw some money in a hat and at patreon.com and you can be part of the show. If you donate $5 an episode, uh, I'll send you a Fish Nerds beanie this winter to keep your hat warm. And our new beanies this year have fleece inside them and they're super, super warm. So that's it. You've listened to a few Fish Nerds when you could have been fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all sorts of silly things that nerds do. If you would like, to, would like to support the Fish Nerds, go to patreon.com, search for Fish Nerds, and give us a dollar. Just a dollar. Special thanks to Tim Moore at timmoreoutdoors.com, Captain Sean Tibbetts, MainTunaFishing.com, Richard Yvonne, TwinMapleOutdoors.com, and Vance Zahorsky from LineCutters.com. I should also say, if you want to book a fish nerd to take you fishing, you can book me at fishnerds.com. Just give me a call, and I'll take you fishing at a pond in my neighborhood. That's it. Thank you.
Awesome. Thank you and, so much, Clay. Make sure you send that over too so I can post all over the place again. Oh, happy to do it. And by the way, I didn't realize that you and Phil were friends until I was on Facebook on Friday night you know, doing the live tweeting and stuff. And uh, Phil told me he was doing your Facebook stuff. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's such so a small, small world, which is why we got to always make, remember to be nice to each other. <laughs> just, total, you, you never know. <laughs> That son of a bitch, Clay. Yeah. <laughs> it won't take much to, to ruin reputation, really. So it's important. That, that's <laughs> but, true, yo. <laughs> yeah, Phil's a good guy. So that was really funny. Just, just, just funny how small everything is all of a sudden. So, but hey, it, it, that's it. It's nuts. It is nuts. Hey, get well, back cool. to work, and we'll talk soon. Okay, Vance. Awesome, brother. Thanks so much, Clay. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Bye, bye. Bye, buddy. Bye, bye.